We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my friends. I'm so happy to be spending a few moments with you here today on Journey to Center and Empower Radio. Yes, confusion, chaos, and pain. It seems inevitable as a human being grazing planet Earth. And in fact, I believe it is. But I also believe there's opportunities in our pain, jewels that can be extracted from seeming injustices and gold to be gleaned from our guilt and our grief. If we can transcend our victim consciousness. I know something significant shifted in me when rather than asking the question, why is this bad thing happening to me? To why is this thing happening for me? And another question, what is it my soul wants me to learn from this? Here's a quote that I love from Viktor Frankl. If there's meaning in life at all, then there must be meaning in our suffering. Today, I'm so honored to have a conversation about why suffering seems to be such a prevalent part of our human experience and how suffering can transform our consciousness, open our hearts, and expand our experience of the world with my very wise and wonderful guest and someone who Larry Dossey has referred to as a modern-day Kalal Gibran, a poet, a mystic, a visionary, and teller of truth. We're here with Paul Farini. Paul has personally participated in over 35 years of heart-centered spiritual work. He's authored 50 books, facilitated retreats, workshops, affinity group processes, and virtual communities. He's assisted thousands of people with profound transformation, helping them heal their wounds, create successful relationships, and step into their authentic power and purpose in their lives. I'm so happy to to speak to Paul about one of his newest and now one of my favorite books ever, entitled answering the call of the soul. So, Paul, thank you for saying yes to another show with me here on Journey to Center. Great to be here. So, you say something right out of the gate with this book that I just love. I wish I would have had this book years ago, but happy to have it now. Pain is not a punishment, but rather an invitation to grow. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I think when pain comes in, it's a wake-up call. It's, um, it's telling us that part of us has shut down and that staying shut down is going to become um, a very chronic condition and it's going to limit the quality of our life. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that life asks from us on the spiritual level is it asks us to grow psychologically. Um, And growing means going beyond the limited definition we have of who we are Mm. and moving beyond our ego structure, which is based on survival and um, based on the, the fear and the shame that we've been carrying for most of our lives. So we all are constantly confronting experiences that ask us to grow on the soul level. The soul wants to grow. That's why it's here. That's why it's incarnated, so that it can grow. 
The soul does not come to get life on a silver platter. Some people think that's what they're here to do, but it doesn't work. It doesn't matter how much money they have, how many wonderful relationships they have, what their possessions are. Everybody who comes into this embodiment is asked to grow. And either we cooperate with the call for growth or we resist it. When we resist it, we experience even more pain. Mm -hmm. When we begin to cooperate with it, then we begin to realize that our consciousness needs to begin to shift. And that's the beginning of the healing process. Mm. So pain is a wake-up call, not a punishment. That's it, the invitation. It really is. It really is. And, and I remember my spiritual teachers saying that to me, and it was so revelatory at the time because I really thought God hated me. It's like, he must hate me because this, this is crazy. Why would all this stuff happen? And then they, they said, turn inward and ask, what, what is your soul trying to learn from this? And it was interesting that certain things did start to bubble up as I turned inward, asked questions and sat in the silence. It was, it was rather phenomenal. It was like, wow, there's, there's something in there that's, that's beyond my own conscious thinking mind. And now that is, that is my touchstone for truth. It's, it is going within and listening to that still small voice. But boy, I had to go through a lot of pain to finally sit down and turn inward. And that seems to be kind of a common way of being on this planet. Yeah, you know, in, in Judaism, we have this sense of awe that God is somehow larger than anything we can conceive of that it's beyond name and form. So that when we come to God with empty hands, we recognize that we are in the presence of something that um, can't be defined. And we are, you know, our ego structure uh, individually and collectively is reinforced by this idea that we know what's going on. And yet, when we're most challenged in life, we have to admit, if we're honest, we haven't got any idea what's going on. We don't have an answer for any of it. All we know, it is, it's, life has got us by the proverbial balls, and it hurts. <laughs> That's all we know. And so we have to become humble at that moment. We have to go, oh, my God, something is happening here that's big. Can I be with it? Or am I going to go to this place where I think I'm being punished if God doesn't love me? Or go to this place where my own unworthiness is coming up and I realize I can't love myself? How am I going to deal with the awesomeness of God, that there is part of life I just don't understand? Mm -hmm. and the, the story that I love from the Bible, from the Old Testament, is the story of Job. Mm. And if you read that story, it's an archetypal story. Uh, Job was a guy who tried to do everything right. He tried to follow all the laws, all the commandments. He just, um, he did everything that God wanted him to do. And yet, all these terrible things happened to him one after another. It seemed like the harder he tried to be good, 
the harder he got hit. In the end, he had to come to terms with his deepest unworthiness, and he had to recognize that within his heart of hearts, there was innocence. Within his heart of hearts, he was lovable. And he grabbed on to that energy of his own innocence, and he wrote that through through all the ups and downs, all the challenges and hardships that he had to face, knowing that no matter how dark things appeared in the world around him, he was a good man, he was lovable, and things would shift. And in the end, they did. Because God, all the lessons that God brings into our lives are here to wake us up, they're not here to punish us. But we do have to remember, when these things happen, they're asking us to go beyond our ego structure. They're asking us to become humble. They're asking us to do something that's very uncomfortable for us to do, which is to say, I don't know. We're always supposed to have the answers. We're always supposed to look good. Sometimes we don't look good. Sometimes we don't have any answers at all. Sometimes we're just there writhing in pain and we don't understand why. Mm. Now, I would say that's normal. That's what happens to human beings in their incarnation. Of course, that's not the expectation that we grow up with. We think we're supposed to be shiny and wonderful. But every human being who's ever been here has had to face a crisis like this. And they've had to learn to believe in themselves, and they've had to learn to find their faith in the face of obstacles. Every one of us. So these are profound moments. These are moments when the soul is knocking on our door saying, wake up, find out who you really are. Yes, and it's so beautiful, Paul. And, and something you write about and a quality that I think is so important to sit with and cultivate for ourselves and for others is the quality of compassion. You talk about being able to hold the pain compassionately. So can we talk about this really important and, and valuable um, quality and characteristic and, and opportunity of healing with compassion? Yeah, I mean, that's what Job had to do. Mm-hmm. If Job had said, um, you know, God, God doesn't love me, um, it's my fault. I haven't good, been a good guy, um, and that's why I'm being punished. Then Job never would have had the opportunity to transform. Job had to find something deeper. He had to connect with his own innocence. As long as we are blaming ourselves, as long as we are feeling that terrible thing happened and it's my fault, we're on the cross. And we stay on the cross. So only when we discover our own innocence and the innocence of others can we come off that cross and learn the lessons the universe is providing us with. Mm-hmm. Compassion for ourselves starts 
with recognizing that it's not our fault. It's not even somebody else's fault. It's just what is, and there's an opportunity here for us to learn something and go deeper in our capacity to love. So beautiful. That's, it's so true. Um, I think to be able to cultivate compassion for this human experience for ourselves, then as, as I've been able to relax into that space, now, you know what, this is hard. This, isn't, this is no cakewalk, this being human on planet Earth. As I've really deepened in that for myself, it's authentic with others and people that are even doing quote unquote really bad things. I'm able to see a flailing hurt inner child. And I, you, you write something in your book that I thought was so profound. And I shared this with someone last night when they called me. She goes, it's hard for me to find compassion for people that are doing terrible things. And you said in the book, as uh, somebody who had done terrible things and went to heaven, he said, you know, God's not happy with you right now, but he knows you just need more love than the rest of us. To be able to see the innocence and in others that are doing terrible things, it, it's such a powerful thing. And for me, it's been a relief. So that I'm not always pointing outward about who's bad and wrong and who's good and right, that I can just relax into this place and just like you had said, expand my ability to love. Yeah, I mean, the gift of compassion for other people comes from the ability to be compassionate with ourselves. Yes. Take ourselves off the hook. Once we, once we understand that we are not at fault, that we did the best we could with the consciousness we had at the time, once we can take ourselves off the hook, it becomes a lot easier to take others off the hook. For sure. For sure. And something I've experienced, Paul, that has been such a blessing as I've done this work is that I just feel um, more aligned. And I feel, and you write about this, or you talk about this in some of your videos, it becomes like we don't have to be the doers in our experience anymore. I used to have this like anxiety around uh, the quality of ambition. And that's been alleviated to such a significant degree. Once we're able to just really relax into that place of love, we can become like the vessel. We can become like a conduit for love to flow through into the world. And we can kind of get out of our own way. We can let go of our personal goals and agendas. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. That's, that's the point when we go into crisis, when um, the false self begins to fall apart and life as we know it um, begins to fall apart all around us like Humpty Dumpty falling off the wall and smashing into thousands and millions of pieces. The person we thought we know, the person that we grew up trying to be in the hope that we could get love and acceptance, we can't be that person anymore. It's, it's not who we are. So when the false self begins to die, our ego structure begins to fall apart as well, and we begin to transcend it. The interesting thing is that it doesn't look good from the outside. People look at us and say, oh my God, you're such a mess. You know, you don't have a job, you don't have a house to live in, you're all over the place. 
And inside you go like, yeah, I know, but I feel somehow more real than I ever felt in my whole life. Even though I don't have that ego structure trying to protect me. So the false self begins to die and then we start to ask the question, who am I really? Like when I let go of all that stuff that's not true about me, when I stop trying to please others, who am I really? What is, where is my joy? Or even, where is my pain? Because the other thing that happens when the false self dies is that whatever um, defense mechanisms we had or addictions we had that hit our pain, they begin to come away and we have to face our pain. So we are feeling our pain. We're asking the question, who am I really? And this is really the beginning of being born again. Mm-hmm. This is the second birth. This is the birth of the true self. And it usually happens around mid-age. Mid sometimes it happens sooner, sometimes later, where the false self dies and the true self is struggling to be born. But there is this period of time when this happens, when we are like the caterpillar going into the cocoon. And we're just the gooey mass. We can't function in the world anymore. This is a spiritual crisis that we're going through. When we come out of that cocoon, we are going to have these beautiful wings. If we try to back out of that cocoon right now, we will literally die because we don't have those legs anymore. We're not meant to walk along the earth the way we were before. We're meant to fly, but we don't have our wings yet. So this is a very uncomfortable time. So... Can we be in this place of absolute dysfunction when it comes to being in the world? And can we come to love and accept ourselves and begin to see what's really true? This is like the opportunity to go into like a cave in the Himalayan mountains, you know, where all the spiritual people awaken. You don't have to go to the Himalayas to experience this. Everybody has this moment of crisis. Can you go into your heart? Can you find the source of love within? Can you begin to trust who you are and stop betraying yourself out in the world and stop trying to pretend to be what other people want you to be? Can you do that? This is the beginning of the second life. This is being born again, like the butterfly emerging from the cocoon. Now you are who you really were meant to be. And when that happens, when the false self dies and the true self is born, guess what? What? Your ego structure is not in charge anymore. God (laughs) is in charge. Oh, thank goodness. And then incredible things can happen through you. You can't claim any ownership because you're not doing it. It's Mm -hmm. spirit doing it through you. It's you becoming a vessel. Just as you came in this life to wake up and to be born again, so does every soul come into this life. And once you have this experience, all you wanna do 
is open the door for others. Mm -hmm. So you're not interested in protecting your ego. You're just interested in being a light and shining love on everyone and pointing everyone to go within, to find out who they really are, to stop worrying about what it looks like. Because like Jesus said, none of that stuff are you going to be able to take into the next life. None of that material stuff, none of that ego structure is going to go with you. So as you move into this space of being a vessel, being an instrument, as St. Francis said, mm-hmm. your life doesn't belong to you anymore. It's very ironic. It's very paradoxical. On the one hand, now you are truly who you are, and on the other hand, you're not in charge of your life anymore. <laughs> now there is a greater power that moves And this is what Jesus meant when he said, it is not I, but the Father that does these works. These things and greater will you do. Yes. It feels um, like home. And it is. It's going into the mystery and a certain amount of, uh, or maybe a lot of faith that needs to occur to get to this space. But gosh, when we do, to me, this is heaven on earth. Is that how you would describe it, Paul? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the... um... It's the bringing of the spiritual energy into embodiment in our lives. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, what we're way. all on the path to do. But we can't just um, rub our hands together or rub the magic lamp and have it happen. We have to go through the tunnel, the dark yes. tunnel. We have, just like Jesus did in the wilderness, we have to face our fears in order to come into the light. It is a process. We can't skip over that process. Sure, it would be nice if the caterpillar didn't have to go into that cocoon. It would be a lot less scary, but guess what? We all have to do it. It's the birthing process. And there doesn't seem to be any shortcuts. No, there aren't. I mean, people can try, and people have tried for years and years and years, but none of them work, so they come back face-to-face with themselves. The Holy Grail is not out there in the world. It's within our heart of hearts. The kingdom of heaven is within. That's it. So something you say in your book, and I love this so much, when we show up with trust and heart, miracles happen. Yet while they are done through us, we are not the doer. We step forward and allow universal energy to work through us. We don't know the outcome and we have no control over it. All we can do is be willing and show up. When we don't need credit, we are content to be the flute in Krishna's hands. There's nothing more wonderful than being the empty vessel through which the universe moves through. That's when you realize there's a wisdom and intelligence operating in your life. And all you have to do is let go of your need to control and you give it permission to express through you. That's what I want. That's the promise. You know, that's the promise. promise. And we can, we can all get to this space. I believe, I think all of us are, are destined for this and we're all on a spiritual path, whether we know it or not, all in different places on the path. Absolutely. I, I say to people, including to my most serious students who have been working with me for years. I say, you know, 
you're not any more spiritual than anyone else. And, you know, we all carry a certain amount of spiritual pride. And we think, well, because we've been doing this work for so long, we are somehow on a higher rung of the ladder than somebody who's just beginning. Oh, that's bullshit. (laughs) We're all human beings. We all have the same challenges. We're all equals. So the capacity to awaken is in every single person. Yes. And the choice, the free will, is in every single person. Not everyone chooses to awaken in this lifetime. That is correct. And it I love something you courage. said. There's no, it takes courage. It does. It does take courage, and it's painful. And I like something you said. There's no hierarchy about who gets in God's lap first. There's no hierarchy. We're all, we're all God's children. We're all exquisite and divine and precious from the perspective of our creator. And I think to be able to understand that and see that in ourselves and others, it's, it's such a relief. There's such peace in this such peace. Paul, you got to do a shout out. Where can people get a hold of you? What is your website address? I can't believe this is over. <laughs> Went quickly, huh? Yes, quickly. <laughs> yeah. So the website is paulferini.com or lightforthesoul.com. And people can sign up to receive my daily messages in their inbox. Uh, there are lots of uh, excerpts from the books and videos on the site. People can Uh, explore and enjoy so much good stuff you are so exquisite I'm so honored to be in your presence and having this conversation and I hope to get you back on again very soon and to my listeners thank you for being part of the energy that is Empower Radio know that you're my heart meditations and prayers God bless you onward and upward bye for now Mm -hmm.